0: Hi everyone and welcome to the Neighborly Navigator podcast. I'm Natalie Connell, your co-host. I also have our host, Leah Larson here with me. She's one of our rockstar sales executives and is passionate about making a positive impact in communities. Prior to Neighborly Software, she served in local government administration where she managed monitoring and compliance for the city of Boise's CDBG and home programs. So we have a great show for you guys today. We're talking about navigating the challenges of HUD program management. As many of you know, this is a hot topic. Um, jurisdictions across the country have been hit really hard by employee burnout, being short-staffed, having insufficient technology to help them distribute the high level of funding allocated by HUD and Treasury. So our guest, Elizabeth McNanny, presidency of Resource Consultants, is going to share some key insights and nuggets on how jurisdictions are navigating these challenges. To give you guys a bit of background about Resource Consultants, um, they are a professional services organization that provide community development consulting, federal project project management, training, technical assistance, and group facilitation. Clients use them to create long-term plans and visions that reflect their communities and stakeholders. They also work with HUD entitlement communities to help them discover and use their existing resources to develop strategic solutions. So they they provide services nationwide and primarily focus on HUD and Treasury programs. So with that being said, I'm gonna hand the mic over to Leah so we can get started.
1: Thanks so much, Natalie. Hi, everyone, as mentioned, I'm your host, Leah Larson, and I would love to welcome our guest, Elizabeth McNanny. Elizabeth and I go way back. We've known each other and worked together the last six years. I'm super excited to have her on the show as she's been a longtime advocate of HUD, and helping communities help people. Elizabeth and her team are federal compliance and technical experts and play an integral role in helping jurisdictions set up their policies and procedures, their strategies and comp plans for HUD, as well as other planning documents, navigating program regulations and requirements, and assisting jurisdictions who have technical assistance and training needs, as well as communities experiencing high turnover. Elizabeth is a founder of Resource Consultants and also serves as a CDBG home ESG consultant trainer and as a board member of NCDA. Elizabeth and her team also work with jurisdictions that have received ARPA Treasury funds. They help clients navigate the complex and changing landscape of recovery funds, assist with program setup and implementation to help communities understand and comply with 2 CFR 200. So let's dive right into today's episode. Elizabeth, tell us about your background in housing and community development and how you got to where you are today. Thank you, Leah.
2: And it is really wonderful to be here with you and great to have this opportunity to talk with everyone that will be listening to the podcast. So Resource Consultants started out with, oh, 13, 14 plus years ago working in other federal programs, primarily USDA, energy, federal highways, commerce, and programs like that. We segued into HUD work about seven, eight years ago or so, and have really enjoyed that realm find it interesting and the communities really working to do fantastic things that are game changing within, you know, within their jurisdictions. And we have spent a lot of time working with communities around the nation. We also are working with communities that receive state local fiscal recovery funds through the American Rescue Plan to help meet the compliance guidelines and program set up laid out by Treasury. So we enjoy this work. We enjoy meeting people around the country and it's been a lot of fun seeing how communities engage with their stakeholders
1: and solve complex issues. That's awesome, Elizabeth, thanks for sharing. I just learned something new about you today. I didn't know you worked with USDA, that's awesome. So let's talk about the main topic of today's show, navigating the challenges of HUD program management. As many of you know, program administrators across the country are dealing with employee turnover and burnout, lack of technology to get large funding allocations out the door in a timely manner, lack of centralized database and real-time reporting and compliance issues, just to name a few, So Elizabeth, let's talk about industry trends and key insights that you guys are seeing personally for home ARP allocations.
2: Great, I think that HUD is really working to identify and solve the issues that have come up in their worst case needs reports and their annual homeless assessment report. This is information that they share with Congress annually. And in the most recent report, it has really shown that they have made inroads into unsheltered homeless needs through COVID relief funding and that those are realistically short-term solutions. So HomeARP comes into play looking at how to solve a complex issue more systemically. There's enough funding, there's never enough funding, but there's more funding in the home ARP allocation that may allow jurisdictions to really look at how to dig in with their qualifying populations and solve maybe not all of the problems, but one or two of the really complex challenges that the community has. And as we saw, and heard at the conference last week, Leah and I were both at the National Community Development Association conference last week, as we saw and heard some of the challenges that jurisdictions are having is ensuring that they're really providing the consultation level that HUD is looking for. Many of the submissions that have been sent to HUD already have actually been sent back to make sure that the plan actually aligns with what HomeARP is
1: trying to solve, right? And I mean, it, it's a complex issue for sure, and the funding is very much needed. And with talking about plans and strategies, you know, can you share some best practices that you've noted when helping some of your government clients putting together their comp plans and annual action plan that gets submitted to HUD? Absolutely, I would say one of
2: the biggest challenges is managing up, meaning helping elected officials and department heads really understand what the program can and cannot do. And often communities see this money as a pot that they might be able to use for whatever is urgent today. But when you're looking at a consolidated plan, you're really taking a five-year approach and the annual action plan is to help address what's urgent in the community. Some of the things to really think about, and this happens quite a bit with the communities that we've worked with, they're utilizing small amounts of money and trying to spread it out to multiple or many, many recipients. And that may be very, very, challenging not only for the recipients because the complexity of recording is very high and meeting all of the federal requirements can be a burden on an organization that is receiving just a small amount of money. So thinking about um, you know fewer, larger awards, looking at it systemically because this isn't enough money In any of our communities to solve all of the problems. Attacking one area at a time, kind of systemically, could be a best practice for communities to look at. Focusing energies and remembering, you know, remembering as you're putting these plans together, the key, key, key information that you want to share. There's limited character capacity in all of these planning documents. And then the secret, and many of the folks will already know this, but every department has kind of a research arm, and one of the amazing places to find just a vast amount of fantastic data is from HUD, P, D, and R, and there is so much information available in that one place. That I think communities are missing as they're putting their plans together.
1: That's great information. You know, talking about fewer um, allocations and larger awards, and oh, there's only so much money to go around to help communities. You know, there, uh, talk about a little bit of some program pitfalls that you've observed across the country and, you know, how do, how do folks navigate that? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Differently, depending upon where they are. So, um, but, you know, it's, it's important for, for the really amazing staff working in these fields to remember that we are all doing the best that we can. And absolutely no, no one runs a perfect program. Utilizing the resources that are available can help navigate that, can help avoid some of those pitfalls. The Guide to National Objectives and Eligible Activities is amazing. There are so many trainings available uh, from HUD that are targeted to very specific parts of the programs that we run. And if I go back to that guide, there are examples of projects that you can do and examples of projects that you can't do. I mean, things that aren't eligible. The other item is around monitoring and compliance. And I know that monitoring subrecipients and activities is challenging with the limited staff time that jurisdictions have. I mean, I. Definitely understand that very well because we work with folks who are struggling with that. Some of the key items to take away from that is utilize HUD's monitoring exhibits when you're setting up a monitoring with subrecipients. There's absolutely no reason to reinvent the wheel. Let's make this as easy as possible and as prescriptive as you can. Looking at what HUD provides with their monitoring exhibits, use what's available instead of designing something yourself because why would you monitor a subrecipient to a standard or to something that HUD will never monitor you against? And utilize the risk assessment that HUD is utilizing on you as a jurisdiction, to understand where you fall in that, there's a new risk assessment that HUD is utilizing to figure out who and where to monitor and who is high, medium, and low risk. Use that to monitor yourself. Use that to look at how your program is doing, and then don't be cons- don't be too worried if you're you know, somewhere in the medium to high level, because you can look at what we can do to address those issues moving forward. I think that would be very helpful for communities to know and to really, really consider utilizing in practice.
1: That's great. You know, coming from monitoring and compliance, a lot of times you can feel like the no person in the room of, you know, Nope, that's not monopoly money, we can't do that. That's not eligible. You know, and utilizing head tools is so important. And one of the things that, you know, I wanna talk about Elizabeth is, let's talk about COVID-19 and the pandemic and the monitoring and compliance complexity with all of the federal funds coming down the pipeline. Do you see any emerging trends um, amongst some of the folks you're working with um, coming out of the pandemic? Well, as far as
2: monitoring goes, I mean, and I'll start there, we obviously see that there has been a backlog with not just our own jurisdictions, but with the CPD offices that could not get out on site and monitor and or were slow to do desk monitorings. It's probably important to really look at because these funds, the COVID-19 funds, as well as home ARP funds and treasury funds are under a microscope, it's likely a good practice or a best practice to look at at least starting that monitoring process now. And I know as folks are coming back to the office, it's both exciting and less than exciting in some cases, But one of the things that was really missed during the pandemic was in-person stakeholder engagement. You can do a lot online and a lot over Zoom and a lot of what we do has transitioned to to an online platform, but there's nothing, nothing that compares to sitting in a room with the stakeholders in in a community or a jurisdiction and actually talking to them about what they're seeing on the ground. And really getting that money out the door in a thoughtful, coordinated way is so important as we recover because we are still in recovery mode. We're really not on the other side yet.
1: Right. I know coming out of COVID-19 and the pandemic, do you think that this might change the makeup of our federal funds that come out? Like think of in terms of the emergency rental assistance program. I've heard folks think that that might become a permanent program at some point. You know, what are your thoughts there?
2: You know, I think that there are so many opportunities that both HUD and Treasury are looking at right now, and they are gauging what is working and what is not one of the things that we are doing right now is providing some direct technical assistance for treasury on the emergency rent assistance and watching how this has rolled out we're primarily working with tribes and watching how this has rolled out and how this has been a game changer Treasury is watching. So, you know, that, that's probably good information for folks to know also.
1: That's awesome. In your opinion, what, what do you think are some of the biggest hurdles that government entities are facing right now in, in our given time? Number one would be loss of institutional
2: knowledge. And we have a lot of who are retiring and have retired. And there were folks who, when the pandemic hit, who were close to retirement, who took that opportunity to step back. We have staff challenges in many of the jurisdictions, not just the ones we work with, because we talk to so many other folks. I mean, you know, you talk to folks all across the country and everyone is facing many of the same challenges there's no there's no degree for what we do and you can have you know folks with a skill set that matches the needs of these jobs but i think loss of institutional knowledge is a big one and you know, some of the hurdles are tracking also. And this is where utilizing systems like neighborly and you know other opportunities that are out there to really you can't simplify. I'm not going, I'm not going to use the word simplify, right. but but you can you can give yourself some relief with the opportunities to make tracking a lot more easy. These are complex programs and the complexity with HUD and Treasury continues to rise as they toss other programs out at at jurisdictions. The amount of additional funding in the programs with staff levels that had not kept pace has made it challenging to stand up programs quickly and the normal course and time required for program development has not been available. And we know these are hard, really hard working staff members doing a fantastic job trying to meet the needs of the most vulnerable people in our communities during really, really complex times.
1: You know, Elizabeth, I just wanted to thank you for all of your knowledge, and um, this conversation has been great. You know, thanks for all of the work that you do across the country to help communities, help people. Uh, the work you all are doing is incredible, and I just wanted to thank you for your time today. And Natalie, you know, where where can our listeners tune into this episode, and how can they access it?
0: Uh, yes, yeah, so um, this episode will be published on Spotify, um, as well as Google, Stitcher and Radio Public. Um, you can also check it out on our website, neighborly, uh, neighborlysoftware.com, and, um, and all of our social media channels. So be on the lookout to see this episode um, next week on all of those channels. And um, again, Elizabeth, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. It was a, It was great to have you on our show.
2: Thank you. You Natalie and Leah this has been really a lot of fun.
0: All right guys until next time bye bye.